Hello everybody and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the Fraserburgh Cricket Club Chronicles. I am your host as always, Andrew Henderson, and we've actually had a little bit of cricket played in the last week. We'll get onto that in a little bit, but before we do, there's of course today's episode with our opening batsman, Corey Bowie. Now, Corey is one of the best and most respected players at Fraserburgh over the last 15, 20 plus years, as you're about to hear. Uh, His name's come up quite a lot over the course of this podcast. We, of course, talked to his brother Liam in season one for a great episode, if I do say so myself. Um, But also, so many people have picked him out as the best player that they've played with which I think is a mark of the respect that we have for him as both a person and a player and just the sheer amount of runs he has scored for Fraserburgh over the last few years. Um, There's not too much more for me to say actually at this point, so let's just get right into it. Here is my chat with Corey Bowie. Start off, Corey, just how are you doing, first off? It's been a little while since I saw you when we were at the the Cup final earlier this year. Good. Um, I've actually got some cricket in this summer, so I'm doing quite well. Um, aye, it's actually it's actually good to get you know some sort of a season in compared to last year. So aye, a good change, hasn't it, after the last year or two? Better than last year. Absolutely. So this is going to be a little bit of, of an interesting one, I think, because I've obviously already talked to your brother Liam, and I feel like there might be a little bit of overlap especially with the first proper question I've got for you, which is how you started out playing cricket. I think Liam said you used to play a little bit in the back garden, but was that your first introduction to the sport? No, um, it was probably, there's a few different things probably. It's, um, I guess the first time I picked up a bat was actually when I was on holiday in Aviemore, got a bit of pocket money. Um, and the thing I went and bought from the shop was a cricket set, just went and bought it. I was only six years old or something. So I always like, had a natural inclination towards, you know, rounders. And I know you're not supposed to say rounders and cricket in the same sentence, but, you know, I liked whacking a, a ball with a bat. And I guess what I got a bit older, um, I noticed my dad used to put cricket on the TV. And I used to hate it. I used to, you know, this is boring, Dad. Why are you putting this on? And there was one day I just sat and watched it and I thought, I don't know, I've been trying this. And... Was it? I just, I made, I actually made my own homemade bat. Um, it's still, I think it's maybe still lying in the, the, the shed somewhere in the, 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 my parents' house. But uh, just that was it. I just kept on playing. And I think my dad actually got in touch with Ian Watson and asked if he could come down to practice. And you know, that was it basically. Okay, a, a couple of questions coming off of that. You say whenever it was on the TV, it was boring. And yet, when you had a bit of Pokemon, you went and bought a cricket set. No, no, it was when I was six. You know, I was six years old when I did that. So I think I had a kind of natural inclination to I liked playing sports that you could hit a ball with. But this is when I was about 11. Okay. So I was sort of age, and my dad used to, you know, put it on TV just to check the score. I was like, this is, Dad, this is boring. You switch it off, please. And I was, yeah. But one day I was just like, you know, let's just see what it's just, what it's sports about. And that was it. You know, I just kind of clicked after that. So I think if it if it hadn't been on the TV, if it hadn't been on council TV, I don't think I'd have played the game. Um, How did you go about making your own bat then? Just got a plank. Well, we used to have a cool fire. So we used to have bits of weeds lying about in the back garden. So I just got a bit of weed and took an axe to it and made a handle. And uh, um, that was it. I just, yeah. <laughs> Found a tennis ball from somewhere. Fair enough. Um, obviously, we know you nowadays as a batsman by the sounds of it that was always kind of what drew you to the game hitting the ball with a bit of wood did you ever yeah. dip your hand into bowling much um i guess in the early early days i did um i probably started off bowling a bit off spin because i could bowl i could actually bowl spin before i could bowl i could i was already kind of practicing how to bowl spin before i could went down to practice with the brock so that was my kind of natural thing then i kind of Ended up picking a bit of leg, picking up a bit of leg spin as well. Um, so I actually, actually bowled for the broth, bowling leg spin when I was about fourteen or fifteen. That's how all great players start out. Yeah, exactly. I kind of lost, I kind of lost the plot with that a little bit. Um, I started experimenting too much and tried to bowl googlies and flippers and stuff, and lost the actual leg break. So then I just ended up bowling seam up part time kind of thing. So that was my 
Um, just whenever, you know, whenever the bowlers couldn't be arsed, I could just choose to come on and bowl a few overs. Still kind of the case today, isn't it? Yeah. Well, kind of. And I, I don't think I've really bowled much this year. But, um, no, true. I'm thinking I'm the last done. couple of years, you, on occasion you've come on and taken the handy wicket or two for us. Uh, or bowled a pile of shite, one of the two. <laughs> I suppose the era you're talking about when you would have been breaking through and first having ball in hand trying out things, that would have been like peak Shane Warren, wouldn't it? Mm, yeah, I mean, 97, the Aussies toured um, England in 97, so it would have tied in with that kind of time. You also had guys like um, Mushtaq Ahmed, who used to be played for Pakistan. That was the tour in 96. So Anil Kumble, uh, India, they toured in 96 as well. So you kind of picked up, that's how I learned to play the game watch the guys on TV because it was on the TV it's always a nice way to learn when you've got yeah. some of the all time greats there in front of you <laughs> mm. so what were your first impressions then actually going down to practice and, and giving the game a go properly um, I guess Ian Watson was still kind of doing something on a Friday so I think my f- first time I came down I remember seeing Greenfield and Rennie and maybe a few others that you know Ian was kind of giving them kind of fielding practice and stuff I think Ian, you know, after a year or two of doing that, I think Ian had kind of work commitments. So there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of structured coaching. So we ended up just kind of learning the game on our own a little bit. Um, and as I say, looking at what was going on the TV and trying to copy them a little bit. So um, that's, I mean, that's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time, but that's just the way it was. And we're just kind of, um, get, you probably learn, learn, you understand your game a bit better, but you also, well, don't develop as quick as you could or as well as you could. So, um, but yeah, it was it was all good. I always love it when this happens. That was the exact question that came to mind: was was that a good thing or not? But like you said, I suppose there was ups and downs. But clearly, for that generation, you know, you went on scored a load of runs for Fraser Allen's taking a load of wickets. It, it, clearly, something worked. Yeah, I think I think I would say Alan. Um, Greeny as well, probably. They kind of, they both both understood the game quite well, I think, um, and that kind of helped them. I think we'd probably guys that came off the back of us with more talent, more natural talent. That you know, had they had the coaching, when they're coming through, I think could have been better cricketers than us. But you know, that's just the way things happen. But, I've asked a couple of different people this who were at various stages of their careers in the 90s. I know, especially towards the end of the 90s, it, it was quite a, a turbulent time for the club. I'm guessing you didn't really take any of that in at that point. Not really. I mean, I would say in the 90s, I I, I was probably prioritising football a bit more. Um, I remember Graham Taylor, he was a captain at the time, I think in I know, 99 kind of time. I remember playing football with you know, my mates or something, and he came up and kind of said, oh, you know, let's just relegate to grade four. Um, and I think at that time there was discussions being had that, I mean, I did hear about what was being discussed, like about maybe folding the club and stuff. So, um, But I didn't really pay much attention to it, to be honest, at that time, because I was only about, you know, 15, 16, and happy playing football, you know, if cricket was there, I'd play cricket as well, but um, no. Then you gradually get more sucked in, you know, as you get older, you get more sucked in at the kind of backroom stuff. But you mentioned the football there, you did both for a few years, didn't you? But it was, am I right in thinking it was an injury that kind of stopped you playing football? Um, I well, yes and no. Um, I broke my leg when I was 18 playing amateurs. Um, I think probably up, up to that point, maybe up till I was about 16, 17, I prioritised football. So I used to play in the middle of the season, cricket season. And uh, once I started playing amateurs, I started prioritising cricket a bit more. But um, I broke my leg when I was 18. I did come back and play for two or three years. Uh, but, you know, I was living in Aberdeen, trailing back every week to, to play in the kind of northeast amateurs. I thought, nah, I'll just you know, give it up and uh, and it, I remember coming back. I mean, I, my my legs pinned still with a metal a metal rod from my injury, and I remember getting a few tackles over the top of the ball and stuff. I just thought, you know, it's not worth it. You know, you're just you know, you know, it's just a, it's just a game. So, um, 
you know, I was just kind of focusing cricket. I'd say from the age of 21, I probably focused a lot, focused a lot more on cricket. I guess you wouldn't have thought about this side of it at the time, but looking back, do you think that was quite a, a good way to do it, actually, in that you weren't coming in and immediately a key player as a teenager? You kind of got eased into it because you're also doing something else. Probably. I think, you know, some of the, some of the guys who come, come through the uh, club over, over the years, if they've got a bit of a football background, they've got a good mentality for the sport as well. They've got kind of... You know, it's like, you know, football is like um, it's a bit more aggressive and, you know, if you can handle that kind of environment, you're more thick-skinned and you can come in and pick it and, you know, it's nothing really bothers you. You know, if you get a bit of sledge in or, you know, it's nothing. But um, uh, I think I think it probably did. I think it probably did help me kind of use in a little bit. I think in probably the situation of the team as well, you know, the older guys have kind of moved on. Some folk had moved away, you know, and so there was kind of scope to kind of open the button because there was no one else to do it. So, um, yeah, probably circumstance as well. So were you opening the button pretty early on then? I think I first opened when I was about 14 or 15 because I was like nobody else. Uh, I guess Chris had probably got pulled up for about nine or something. But um, I think I must have been at 18, I think, when I released. I got my chance. I got Mike Rothwell. Turned up late. I was going to be late to, to, to a match against Stonywood. I got a shot to open and I scored a 50. And my first 50 was actually just opening the button uh, for, well, for about a second time or something. So um, I think after that, I kind of, you know, just kept on opening the button, basically. Not a bad way to make your mark by going and scoring a few runs. No. I think I think it had about 40. I think it was in about mid-40s and Spike had about two or three on the board or something. <laughs> Uh, we've seen that happen many a time since as well. <laughs> you say there, obviously, you got quite a few runs. That nailed down your spot as an opener. When did you start feeling like you were hitting that level where you could score a decent amount of runs most of the time? Uh, it just It's probably a gradual thing, I think. You know, I think... You can have you can have you know a bit of natural timing. You can you can play shots and stuff, but I think you, you know you need time and experience to to know what what ball, what what balls you can hit and what balls you should block kind of thing. And I think that's it sounds very basic, but I think it's you know it's a you know that's what you need to learn as a batsman. You know, and you can only learn that by playing. So um, I'd say I was, I was playing innings. I think when I was about 20, 21. I was I was in a Aberdeen Uni set up um, and I got a shot to play um, about first team for them against uh, the Shire so it was like kind of friendly before the start of the season it was quite strong the Shire at the time had a strong side I mean, the kind of South African first class cricketer called Graham Grace and uh, Jan Standard I think was overseas amateur at that time um, I think Colin Smith kicked wicket that game and I got to open the baton um, I think I must have scored about 20 off of, off of about the same amount of overs just boring boring the hell out of them just kind of you call from the broch kind of from grade three and I think I think that innings though it was like you know if I can handle that I can and I actually I think I scored my first 100 actually um, maybe about three four weeks after that so it was just you know almost like a nothing innings on paper you know mm. scoring 20 or 20 overs but it's the context you're playing against the decent cricketers, and that can, that can sometimes give you a bit of confidence to kind of push on and do something at lower levels. So, it's probably, I think that helped a lot. You touched on another thing I was going to ask you about there, actually, because your time at uni, obviously, again, played quite a few matches, scored a, a couple of decent scores for the uni, maybe not always for, for the first team. How did you find that whole experience? Because that could be a very different environment from a couple of you essentially teaching yourself how to play cricket? It was um, it was good, I think it was just a, the, the different way of doing things um, and it's you know, I try to bring some of that into the book I mean, the, the way we kind of uh, warmed up before matches and you know, prepared a little bit you know, I, I mean, I was probably very keen at that time and try to bring a bit of that into the block and you know the other guys probably not you know 
guys like me now probably got kids and stuff probably not necessarily do that but you know it was good to kind of uh, experience a kind of more I would say professional but a more kind of um, focused approach maybe but um, and good laughs as well good nights out with a Munich um, good trips away um, we were playing down in Durham on the, at the race course um, against uh Gets done of uni and getting absolutely hammered, but it was you know good experience. Um, you know, playing in places that you you'd never play otherwise, kind of thing. So it was good. What kind of things did you take from uni then? You say you tried to take some things back to Fraserburgh, but what sort of things were was that that you were trying to implement? Well, just like warm ups before matches. I mean, I probably wouldn't even dream of doing it myself now, but you know, at that time I was keen. So um, you know, just take half an hour before the match and, and stretch and get warmed up, practice your bowling a little bit and, you know, just be a bit more focused. But, you know, as I said, I was 21, 22 and no ties and very keen. So you see, Manifield, you see teams like Manifield and stuff doing that just now. So, yeah. yeah. Part of the reason I was asking about unis because I know, I think I came on leaps and bounds when I first went to uni. It's very easy to do when you can... Like kind of you're saying, you can just focus on something on a much more regular basis all year round as well, not just a few weeks in the summer. Yeah, they practice, they practice the whole year. But that's the thing, the season's very short. You, know, you practice indoors for like, you know, about eight months of the year or something, and uh, then you, you play for about six weeks outside. So it was quite a congested kind of um, uh, fixture list. It was good. Obviously, that would have been a big learning curve for you. But speaking to other people on previous episodes of this, we've heard a lot about people learning about the game in the car journeys to and from away matches. So I'm curious to know, who did you ride with and, and who were you picking things up from? Probably, probably Ian Watson. He was quite subtle. Ian, he kind of knew how to... I not say so much... I can't really remember much discussions in car journeys, but I mean... He sometimes appeared out of blue in practice and kind of just even said to you, oh, you know, you'd notice a kind of technical flaw. He wouldn't go on about the technical flaw. He would just say, what well, about you try and hit that ball in that direction? And you'd kind of automatically correct yourself kind of just by, you know, you knew how to kind of um, coach. And um, yeah, so I don't, I don't remember the kind of card runners so much, just probably Ian, you know, when he, appeared down again just kind of tweaking a few things without changing our technique too much which was good fair enough I, I was building towards a, a question that i've been told to ask you by uh, one of our teammates paul o'neill he wants to know what your favorite queen song was but you maybe don't remember many queen songs from car journeys with him do you ah okay yeah that was that, that's, that's my abiding memory of paul was uh him playing bohemian rhapsody in a, in a car journey home uh, in his fiesta um, it's one of my early, it's probably my it's my V memory of Paul actually <laughs> I think back before he went down south but yeah so, so not, not, not really discussions just music right sure and really, really playing Iron Maiden and stuff like that so yeah probably, probably not so much uh, you know just folk belting out their music in, in the car really yeah. and the way he said it to me was that you had the option of either listening to Queen on his cassettes or not listening to the music and listening to him sing it anyway no, uh, I prefer the yeah, the version <laughs> that you give them. Yeah, but never put you off of Queen then. Just having that. Well, I'm not a massive fan of Queen, but it's, you know it's a classic song, so you know. Fair enough. That was a slight musical detour. That's yeah, always get yeah, some random stuff with these conversations. So turning into the the new millennium, then the early two thousands. Fraserburgh started to rise a little bit through the grades as the likes of yourself, Alan, Mark Ironside, I know was quite prolific as well, scoring runs at that point. You also had Liam coming into the fray. How much did things start to change when your little brother played on a regular basis? Um, I, think, I think Liam was probably, the same, probably somewhat to me, but kind of a few years behind. Um, took a wee while to kind of ease into the team. Um, and, you know... Someone as well, probably. Um, a few guys have moved away, or you know, that was kind of slots in the team appearing. And he, I think, he ended up opening the button maybe about by 
in a 2004 kind of time. He ended up opening the bottom of me. Um, and yeah, I think um, it's been good. Uh, we kind of, we don't really have to call much. We just kind of know when to run and when not to run. Kind of thing. It's quite, it's quite good. But then he's, 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 he's starting to drop himself down the order now, so I don't know what he's playing at. But. <laughs> Certainly, it's it's noticeable from the sidelines. It's almost telepathic, you two, when you're batting together. Like, it's silent. It really is. Yeah. I can't remember too many run-outs either. There must have been a few, but... Um, yeah, can't remember too many. But, but I, you... yeah, that, that kind of year, it was kind of a bit of a transition between the kind of early thousands and the mid-thousands. The kind of mid-thousands were a good time, actually. Well, in my memory, at least, anyway. But kind of a bunch of guys in their early 20s, me included in that kind of age, and another bunch kind of in the late teens. So we had a decent side, and we used to go out and, you know, have piss-ups, you know, almost every after every match, and, you know, in Aberdeen or something like that. It was, it was a good laugh. Did it really feel like you were building something at that point, then? Yeah, it was, it was probably a bit of momentum, probably around about that time, and really big kind of pool of players. Um, well, relative, I'd say relatively big, not massive pool, but you know, probably more than probably got a few now. But I mean, probably more than we had kind of a year or two ago. Um, you know, it's kind of people speaking about second teams and stuff. But um, you know, folk move on. You know, me and Greeny actually moved. Want to play Grade One cricket for a wee bit, and you know, you lo- you lose two players, and you know, and suddenly second team cricket's gonna what by the wayside kind of thing. So, yeah, it was it was probably a good time for the club, I think. There's been whispers popping up every now and then of a second team at Fraserburgh, and we always just seem to be a couple short, don't we? It just never quite comes off. No, I think you probably need like a a large pool of young, keen players and two or three old codgers to kind of run it. But we're not quite there. We've probably got plenty of old codgers, but probably not quite there yet. Not quite there yet with this bunch of youngsters. Yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm glad you did. (laughs) (laughs) I can't blame me for it now. (laughs) You mentioned that there was a a point you left the club. That was after the 2005 Cup final, wasn't it? Well, it was after the the, the end of the season. Well, whenever the end of the season was. But... um, um, but it was after 2005 I'm, I'm pretty sure wasn't it it was I was tw- 2006 I went to play for Ireland um, for a year and I think Greeny went to Bon Accord at the same year well we kind of I, I think I think we almost kind of made a pact we kind of like decided that uh, towards the end you know towards the end of 2005 season if we didn't get promoted to grade 2 we'd give grade 1 a, a chance to see what see what it was like kind of thing so yeah, that was a really good year for Frisbee. Obviously, it didn't quite get promotion, but it did win the cup that year. And and you had man of the match performance, and again, one hundred and fourteen not out opening the batting. What was that moment like to do that at such a big occasion? That was that was good. I, I guess what I remembered was, you know, I just wanted to score the run. I just wanted to kind of win the game. Basically, I wasn't really interested in. How many runs I got, but I just wanted to win the game and you know have a piss up afterwards. That was that was the aim. <laughs> I'm almost scared to ask if there's stories coming out of that piss up. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember what we did, but um, <laughs> but that's that's what I remember. I just wanted to kind of get to the end and have a laugh afterwards, basically. It was a big moment for the club, though. It was the first time I think we'd no, won I mean, a cup it, in decades. It was. It was I think it was our first win since 76 or something like that, maybe. But it probably, I mean, I think we were chasing about maybe 230 or something to win. And quite, we're quite a bit behind the run rate, I remember. And I think Greeny came in and we just kind of just went for it. And I think I think, I think we ended up winning with like four overs to spare or something like that. It was, you know, just, just kind of cramped things up at the end. Kind of Running heaps of buys and stuff. I asked before if it felt like you were building something that early into mid-noughties sort of era. Did it really feel like you'd accomplished something lifting a trophy after so long for the club? I think so. I think it kind of pulled people in. I think it pulled people in a little bit. 
Um, certainly because we had, we had kind of quite a big bunch of youngsters at the time. I think it kind of got them a little bit, which was good. Um, in terms of kind of accomplishments, I don't, I don't, I don't personally place too much value and stuff like that. But I mean, I just enjoy the occasion and, you know, have a laugh afterwards and, and you know, hopefully some of the youngsters can I get pulled in a little bit to it. So that's how I see it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, it's interesting because talking to you, it doesn't really surprise me at all that you're sort of glossing over some of the individual achievements or how big a cup win might have been. And again, I'm kind of curious to know what you were like as captain, because you did have that for a couple of years. Was it all about winning for you or, or how, how did you approach that? I think how old was I? 2007. So it must have been, what, 24 or something? I think it was maybe a bit young to be captain, but um, uh, yeah, I was probably, I probably put a lot of pressure on myself to win. I, I wanted, I really wanted to get, a, get up to grade two because we hadn't been up for a while. Uh, I probably put a bit of pressure on myself that way. Um, and I probably was. I probably was a Probably was a bit snappy sometimes to be some of the players, but it's just because I wanted to win, you know, and get up. Um, probably got some, you know, got up the backs of some more bowlers now and again, but um, I probably approach it. I probably be a bit, I would say I'd be a bit more diplomatic now than, than I was back then, but um, it's just because I wanted to win and get, up, get promoted, basically. Was the captaincy something you enjoyed at the time, though? Uh, I think the first few years I enjoyed it. The last year I didn't, okay. and that's why I stopped doing it. <laughs> um, it's, it's just kind of man, man, managing kind of character, you know, different characters in the team just got, you know, got a bit frustrating. And I think um, I was starting to, I was kind of working offshore a little bit and going away and stuff with work. So I just thought, I think, I think as a captain as well, you've got shelf life. Hmm. If you do it too long, it's stale. So I think, um, you know, I did it for three years and I think, no, for me personally, it was enough. It's time to give somebody else a shot. So, yeah, I can understand that. It's just one of those trends that I've seen talking to people. They either don't want to be captain, or once they've done it, they never want to go back. I just find that yeah. quite an interesting thing. It's all on the captain in cricket. Yeah, I think it can be quite full on. I mean, I think if you want to do it right, you've got to, you've got to give it a bit of time. It's not just the one field stuff, you know, you've got the other things that are going on with the club as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm easily do it again, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to jump at the chance of doing it. But, yeah. You touched on your departure from the club. Earlier. Let's go back to that. But it, it was basically just because you wanted to play grade one, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. Just to see what it was like. Yep. So, um, how was it? <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was good. It was it was kind of competitive, but very much more competitive than than uh, grade three. Um, I think it's standard back then. I think we made a season in grade one in twenty fifteen. The standard of two thousand and six was, I would say, it was quite a bit better actually than, than the season we played in twenty fifteen. Um, yeah, I think um, I haven't got any bad things to say about my time in Ireland. I think. Um, a good, good, a good captain, uh, Charles Woolers Gordon, who kind of took me to the side at the start of the season. He just said, "They're going to open the batting for the whole of the season," and you know that was it. It was like, you know, it's quite, it's quite a good way of kind of bringing me out in the side. I thought, and you know, I think I averaged about just over twenty in my first season in Grade One. Um, I felt I didn't, I felt I could have done a bit better than I did, but um, I think kind of the pool of Brock and. You know, I was talking about coming back as captain, kind of um, pulling me back to Broth again. But I think, um, sometimes I think I should have given it another season or two just to kind of see if I could have pushed on a little bit more than I did. But um, no, it was good. It was a good experience. Um, am I mixing up my timelines here or did you go back to Allen though, after you were captain? Yeah, I did. Okay. Uh, I had half a season, I did like a third of the season now. Um, I, I went out to Norway. Um, I kind of lived and worked there for a bit in 2011, I think it was. Um, I came back for the last kind of, I don't know, two months of the season or something, or 
you know, whatever. So I wouldn't play for them for a wee bit. Played in small clubs, uh, small clubs cup final. So won that with them. Um, didn't, right. really contribute, didn't really contribute much, but um, I, took, I took a good catch of the best of the best batsman of the opposition. So um, it was a bit. Of it, but, um, but I didn't actually play a back trick out in Norway. I didn't actually play any matches, but I played. Um, I practiced um, with a team in Norway, uh, an Asian team. So. It was like a, it was like a minority within a minority um, when, I, when I was when I was out there playing cricket, but it was good. It was you know there was good cricketers out there as well actually. Guys that actually play for the Norwegian cricket uh, team. Yeah. I guess it's it's not an an obvious leap to make that you're going out to Norway. Oh, you'll still be able to play cricket, but right. that must have been a, some experience for you as well. No, it was good. I mean, it was just it was just a no practice, but the you know the guys there could could play like you know they handle themselves in, in grade one. A lot of them. You know, um, aye, the ball machine ramped up to 70 75, and uh, yeah, it was good. Well, the reason that I asked you if you went back to Allen is because I knew you weren't at the club when I started playing, and that you would started, have been yeah. about 2010 2011. So yeah. it's all starting to add up in my mind now. <laughs> makes sense, though, does it? Okay, yeah, cool. absolutely. Um, yeah. but like you say, it was, it was the pool of. Fraserburgh and, and being the captain that brought you back the first time. What was it the second time around? Was was it always the plan to come back and play for the Brock? The in, in 2012 or 2011 or uh, whatever year it was that you came back. Yeah, I came back for okay, Sorry. Um, yeah, I thought you know it's it's my home club. I don't think I'll I, I don't think I'll leave again. But you know, it's yeah. There's always a draw to come back and play for your home side. I think. Um, I think I, I think I had a full season in 2012. I think when I It'd only been a couple of years, but had it changed much since you'd left that time? Um, probably new faces yourself, and probably a few other new faces. I guess Paul, Paul, and you might have come back that year as well. I think, I think he did. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I want to say it was the same year that Paul and Gary came up, and you and Liam came back to the club. Yeah, so you were probably like. The hell's going on here? It's like all these, all these new, all these people I haven't seen before coming back to play. Basically, yeah, <laughs> it was really weird, but it was really great when we started winning games after I think winning once all year in grade two. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think do do we not go back up? We'll go back up in twenty twelve. Yeah, we went. I think we went straight back up from grade three to grade two, and then that was really the start of us kicking on and we obviously got the cup final and got into grade one and that was a really great time to be involved with the club but I, I guess it may not have been that much different from where you'd left off really oh, probably you're right you know it was kind of I guess grade two from 2012 you know until maybe two years ago it's quite similar to grade three actually for the back you know I think the standards is, I don't like to say it but I think the standards have kind of dropped a little bit over the years because it's just not the same amount of cricket was playing, playing, you know, playing in the area. So, um, in terms of the kind of cricket that was being played, it's quite similar, and, and you know, it's a similar kind of feel to the club as well. Just new faces. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that you think the standards dropped. That we've obviously seen the numbers playing cricket in in the area drop so much to the point I don't think there's even a grade four now. And no. that does have its knock-on impact on the ability at all levels, not just the lower tiers. I think so, yeah. I mean, you, you've probably seen it with, with Aberdeen show. Um, struggling massively. Um, you know, look at the team now, they've got in the Strathmore Union compared to the team they had about 10, 15 years ago. It's like, you know, it's like, I don't like to say it, but it's like night and day in my eyes. But um, I think that's, it's, just a, it's probably just a symptom of what, it's like uh, in, in, in the kind of area in general, I think. Um, it's just not the youngsters coming through as, I wish, as, as there used to be. But, you know, we'll try to, try to book that turn a little bit. So hopefully it's going to... Well, it's already bearing fruit, is it? We're seeing Callum kind of push through and Alex. And that's what we need to do, basically. Absolutely. And I suppose going back to your second return at the club, like you said, there was the likes of, of me, Brian Duthie as well. Will Ramsey was coming through at that point. Um, Ross Smith was there, although he wasn't there for as long as maybe the rest of us because other things took his interest away. But that was the start of a, a purple patch, really, for the club. Like I said, we got 
promoted to grade two. There was the cup win in 2013. We got up to grade one, I think, the year after that. How did that sort of success in your eyes compare to 2005? Similar, probably. It was it was quite a similar feeling, I think. Um, I guess that, that by that point, I, mean, I had a kid and stuff like that, so I wasn't quite, you know, the beers after the match and stuff wasn't really happening the same the same way as it had. But I mean, um, I, was, I think it was a similar feel. I think I think maybe the big thing was probably getting up to grade one. Um, you know, all the, I'm saying the kind of standard wasn't quite the same as it was when I played in 2006, but six, but it was you know still an achievement and you know it's still decent you know compared to cricket. So I think that was you know an extra step probably from what I've experienced in the dozens. I think having left the club the first time round to try your hand at grade one. Was it, I know, like I said before, you're not one that sets a huge amount of store in personal achievements or cup wins or anything like that. Was it that extra bit special to get there with Fraserburgh? Yeah, definitely. I, I think so, yeah. And maybe, you know, give it another couple of years, maybe we can do the same again. Um, you know, we're just kind of two or three players short, I think, which we're going we're gonna to have. We're going to have them through the juniors, so, yeah. Fingers crossed. Yep. <laughs> so how did you find grade one second time around? Like, I think generally as a club, we say it, it was all right, but we prefer being in, in grade two. Did you personally really like that challenge again, even if it maybe wasn't quite where it was before? I, th- I, I think we need to have, you know, if we've got a full strength, I mean, every, every team says this, but I mean, if, we've got, if we've got a full strength side, we could probably hold our own. We'd probably be struggling to avoid relegation, but you really, you really need to put out. I don't know. We, we kind of turned up to some matches with nine men or ten men. You know, it's just hopeless. I mean, if, if, if you're playing grade one, um, so I think you know, if you put if you put eleven and you've got five or six guys who know what they're doing, then you can you can stay up there. You know, and you know. We're not there yet, but you know, if, if, if I think if we feel as though we've got a decent, a good, strong side, then there's no reason why we should, you know, we should, we should kind of not change our mentality and just say let's go for grade one thing, kind of thing. But I think you need to have, you know, it's a struggle if you don't have the side to do it, then you're gonna struggle for the whole season, kind of thing. And I think we probably did that a little bit in 2015, we won twice or something, lost everything else, but. Can't remember, but um, aye, it's all about what kind of team you've got, and you know the guys kind of you know what they kind of turn up most weeks through the season. To an extent, that sort of thing is out of any individual's control. But do you feel like, as a club, we've learned lessons from that year in Grade One, or were we always a Grade Two team in the top flight? Uh, as we are just now, probably, I would say I'd say that we're probably we're probably what a Grade Grade Two team. That managed to get up, and as I say, I think it, it, the, the, the thing that we need to do is just we'll never get too many people moving into the area, we'll never have had. Um, we just need to push the juniors on that note. And you've been down, I know, because I was there a couple of times with you to practice maybe a bit more this last year, maybe two years than you were six or seven years ago. You've seen more of that youth progression firsthand. You know, it is a really exciting time for the club, isn't it? With these guys coming through and the mm. All Stars and, and Dynamo's programs below them. That's that's what it needs to be about. I mean, you don't exist to to just to put juniors through. But I mean, on the other hand, you, you don't have a club unless you do. So that's how we've kind of survived as a club is, is by having youngsters coming through. I mean, I guess uh, I guess when you look back to 1999, 2000 kind of time, we're thinking about. You know, guys like Graham Taylor and Ian Watson were thinking about folding the club. Didn't fold it, but the reason they didn't fold it was because Greeny, Panic, myself, and other, you know, suit up coming through at that time. Um, and they probably, in some ways, they maybe took a chance and just thought, maybe these guys are going to stick around. So, juniors, very important. I think, I don't, I'm not sure. I think some clubs are kind of starting to wake up now to it, but I think. It's massively important. Or else you don't have a club in the end of, at the end of the day. So 
Yeah, like you say, it's, it's always been that way in Fraserburgh, but even with us, there seems to have been a, a real push these last couple of years. Oh, no, definitely. I think, I, think, I think it's really cranked up. I think Rennie, Rennie, Rennie uh, you know, curious to Rennie, I mean, around about the kind of mid-thousands time, he'd quite a, he'd a good kind of under-15 setup going, like, and you got, you know, Fraser, Nathan Ross, and, you know, Parkin, a few other guys from that kind of era. And I can see it kind of going the same way now. We're kind of we're, we're in the early kind of stages. We've got, you know, I think it's more kind of, you know, uh, Dynamo's kind of 12 and under. So we've got a lot of them. And, you know, just Alex and Callum on top of that, a bit older. So I'll take another few years for it to kind of really crank up. But it's got a kind of feel again from the kind of mid thousands that, you know, you know, 2023, 2024, it should be that, you know, back to that kind of thing again. We've got hopefully an under 13 side, maybe in conjunction with another club, you know, maybe a, an Ellen Fraserburgh side, I don't know. But, it, you know, it needs to go that way, I think. Hmm. Bringing it back to your own days playing cricket then, looking at maybe 2017, 2018, do you feel like you were a different player, a different batsman than you were 15 years earlier than that? Yeah, I wasn't practicing. I mean, I I, I I practiced maybe three times this year, um, which was actually a lot for me <laughs> in the last kind of 10 years. So from about 2010, I, I haven't really practiced much. So I used to kind of play myself in a match. So it, I probably was a different player. I think, I think in the early days, I probably put a lot of pressure on myself and played, played, played very tight. Um, through, through a lot of the kind of time, maybe t- even the first 20, 25 overs, I used to play quite tight. I could stay in that long um, and then kind of go for it after that. But I mean, I thought I'd probably go a bit earlier now than I used to. I'd say that's probably the big difference. And I've, I've probably tried to rein myself in this year again, just to kind of, because I was going a bit too early. Um, just play just play tight for the first 10 and just enjoy myself after that. So I'd probably, I'd say I enjoy, try and enjoy batting more than I used to when I was younger I don't care about stats I just go and I'll try to enjoy myself I mean if it works it works because if you look at yeah. the stats you've been one of our top batsmen for years but if you don't pay attention to them as long as you enjoy it perfect yeah no I just um, I, I just I just believe in just going out and playing your game I'm not really worrying about who's above me in the averages or whatever it's just it's not important I used to I used to put a bit of Bonus on that when I was young because you, you, you want to kind of prove yourself. But um, nah, it's just about enjoying the game. One thing I have noticed with you this year, though, and it's not like I'm back every week, but even I picked up on this. You've asked a couple of people to film you while you're batting, and it's the mm. first time that I've noticed, at least. Maybe you can tell me this. I've just been really ignorant the last few years that you've almost been questioning your technique a little bit. Has something happened this year or you know, where's that come from? It's, uh, because it was a practice. I, I, just thought, hmm. I just remember, I remember when I was younger, you know, we didn't have smartphones back in, you know, 19, whatever. And that's something I always wanted to kind of do is like, what it actually look like when I'm batting, you know, is there anything I could improve on? And I thought, well, oh, let's have a wee go. Let's see what it actually look like. Um, but I'm batting because um, you can practice in front of the mirror and stuff but it just doesn't know you go and play a match it's completely or you practice it's completely different so I, I noticed actually a few I think Ryan kind of t- took maybe I don't know a minute of film or something and I actually noticed a few technical flaws and tried to fix them a little bit so it was good I just thought it's an easy thing to do you know other guys, can, other guys in the club could probably do it if they wanted to so See, I thought that was kind of the other way around, that you already felt like you needed to change something. And that's why well, you're asking people want, to film I just, I just wanted to say, I just like, well, let's, you know, I don't feel I'm not kind of touching the ball here. I'm kind of feeling out of sorts. I just thought, let's have a look and see what it's like. It was kind of, I was almost on a whim. It was just like, let's see. And I actually noticed a few things to better kind of tweak that a little bit. Or I actually noticed my front foot was kind of coming too far across. Or planting it too early, so I try to kind of stay still for a bit longer before mm. you know, just just little tweaks like that. I mean, don't take what I'm about to say the wrong way, but I, I really liked that you were doing that sort of thing because 
having seen you basically score runs for fun at times over the last you know five to ten years to see you actually still working at it and being what can I do better how can I improve I thought was was a really good message to be sending to the youngsters that we were talking about before well I guess I guess I mean I also try to get myself fit fitter this year as well so I just I think I decided a little bit making a time not to half-ass things so much as I had been doing for the last kind of 10 years so I thought, yeah, let's have a let's have a look at the pattern as well. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I've had a, a brilliant season, but it's been okay. Um, yeah, and I've, yeah, I think I made a few tweaks. I think I think it's something you can work on before the start of next season, kind of thing. But it's hard to it's hard to tweak things towards kind of the mid to late season and expect things to change. So, so is this something you're gonna? keep on using into next year and maybe the foreseeable future still coming down maybe. to practice maybe a bit more and getting people to film you well sorry maybe yeah, I think so I mean if it, if it encourages other guys to do it as well then you know I think it's I mean I think it's a it's such an easy tool you know let's get somebody to film you how does it look does it look right do you want to change it if yes then start tweaking a few things but yeah is it weird to think of yourself as being in that position where if you start doing something, other people might follow? Doesn't really bother me. I mean, if people want to follow, they can follow. If they don't, they don't. It's just something I thought, you know. I, I just remember being a kid and thinking, oh, damn, if, if I could get, if I could see what I was doing, I'd be able to kind of be a bit better because there's no coaching. So, you know, I just thought, you know, as technology is so easy to use and accessible these days, why not just use it and see what it's like? I suppose the wider part of my question there is that you are obviously one of the senior players in the team now. So do you see yourself as somebody that will go in and mentor people and give that bit of advice? Or would you rather they came to you? I don't like um, being too overbearing. I think, I think I'm think i a big believer in um, kids kids having some sort of freedom to kind of work things out on their own. Because everyone, everyone's got a different method, a different kind of natural method to to play the game so yeah I think I think uh, I'd like to kind of help kind of you know once you get to the Calm's age not so much about technique and stuff like that just more about how to approach the game you know what balls to leave and you know if it's if it's the balls coming here you know of course you kind of get move move your feet and stuff more that kind of thing um, I think you can over prescribe over coach kids sometimes uh, get, I think that's my view on it, and it's more about kind of preparing them for game situations. I think. I guess that goes back to your early days, though, where it wasn't so much formal coaching; it was more. I've seen well, this on TV. It's, it's just, I'm just applying my experience to them, and and somebody, you know, somebody that's probably at my age and been well coached might have a different view on it. You know, they, they might see the value in tweaking technique and you know being quite. That was the overbearing, that's not the right word, but you know, being quite involved in the kind of technical development. But as I kind of see it, it's more, of course, I mean, if there's something very obvious that's not working, then you're going to try and change it. But it's more about game situation and having the right approach and doing the right things at the right time, I think. Yeah. Corey, I'm going to come to what I used to call the, the quick fire questions in just a second, rebranded it this season as the Super Six because cool. there's going to be six of them. But just before I do that, I wasn't at the match this happened, but I did hear a whisper that you were doing some impressions of commentating during a game this year, and and I need you to tell me what happened. What happened? What? What? what who, who? Were, were you doing an impression of a commentator or something? I, the, oh, I don't know. Which, which one? Fanny Bluefield, maybe? Probably. I, I can't even remember who it was, but people were... I remember everybody laughing about it when I mentioned commentary for the Cup fans. Like, oh, you need to get Corey on. You need to get Corey on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really know what the context of this is. No, it's probably it's probably Henry Blofeld, I think. I sometimes like to do him now and again. <laughs> so did you just randomly start doing it in the middle of a match one time or? No, I just I just like I mean I'll do impressions of folk for, for, for the sake of it sometimes, but it's it's it's, it's not a well known thing. I kinda do it in the do it in the sly a little bit. Okay. Well it's gonna be more well known now we've said it on the podcast. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So we'll be looking out for it next year. That's the thing. I, I definitely <laughs> will be. It's no problem for else. 
Okay, so super six time. And as I always say to people, it's quick fire, but I'm putting that in inverted commas because it doesn't have to be one word answers, anything like that. Feel free to elaborate if you so choose. So mm-hmm. I'll start off with what's your favorite ground to play at? Um, probably Manorfield, I'd say. Um, it's just such a great ground, isn't it? <laughs> it's a nice, it's a nice certain. Um, yeah, I'd say Mano for sure. Certainly in this area, anyway. Yeah, I think it's definitely the best pitch, isn't it? So it's it's quite a nice setting as well. You know, it's a nice bit of Aberdeen. Um, You know, I've played in some nice places down down England as well. But I think Manorfield, you know, just because it's the kind of local. And we get to play in it then again. What is, uh, you can have loads to choose from from this, but is, is there a particular knock with the bat that stands out in your memory? Yes. Um, and probably hardly anyone, well, the older generation will know about it, but um, it was a game against Ellen under 18s. It was probably, my th- probably about my third or fourth cricket match. Um, I was about 13 years old and I opened the button against them. And uh, I ended up scoring 28 if I tired out or something, but I mean, it was the most surreal match I've ever played in. And still, still to this day, it was it was the most what's the word for it? Ill-tempered match I've ever played in. That's not where I thought you were going to go with under, that. <laughs> under eighteen, um, I was getting sledged. I was getting sledged every ball. Um, Wicket keeper was like going, "I'll, I'll break your legs if you score another boundary or something like that. stuff like that." And I think that was <laughs> one of the one of the. Uh, Ellen guys actually squared up to Ian Watson, who was umpiring. Um, there was a guy who wanted to wanted to be with his mates down in the town centre, so he, he ended up just taking a bat and smashing the stumps and walking off. It was just, it was just, a, it was just, this is a surreal match. But it was, a, it was a kind of character building kind of match, if you know what I mean. So, um, aye, that's probably one of my most memorable knocks. Was when I was, you know, scoring. Scoring 28, and I was like carnage all around me, kind of thing. But... Now I wish I'd kn- known about this coming in because I would have spent the first half of well, this interview just asking Spike, about that match. That's Spike incredible. Michael Watson, Michael Watson will tell you about it as well if you do a podcast with him. He, he played the match. Did you ever come across any of those guys again in senior cricket? Um, I think I think Kenny Hutchinson was baby captain. He was like, he was all, all embarrassed. Okay. Kind of apologizing, kind of apologizing for his. Uh, Teammates' behaviour and uh, ah, it was just kind of weird. I, I remember Ian Duncan kind of Ian Duncan was kind of he's I think he's maybe still involved with kind of youth set up and Alan. You know, he had that kind of look in his face where he just wanted to go out and swallow him up. He just you know, was just like standing there. I was like, what's going on? It was just it was strange. That is amazing though. For all the like the hundreds you've scored and a hundred not out in a cup final, the one that really sticks out to you is an under 18s 20 odd. That's brilliant. I love that. I'd say that one and the, the one against the Shire was maybe the two ones that were. It's not about how much run you scored against somebody, or, you know, in my mind, it's, it's with context and how, like, an innings helps you, you know, push on in your development kind of thing. So, I'd probably that one and the one against the Shire would be the two kind of stick out ones, I'd say. See, this is why I put quick fire and inverted commas because I've just asked about three or four follow-ups to that and that yeah bubble as well, so, I just yeah. love that story so much that's brilliant we were talking before, before you did the odd bit of bowling here or there is there a particular spell with the ball in hand or a wicket maybe that stands out for you not really I mean <laughs> I don't many too, too many memories um I feel like there was, I'm going to give you one here because I feel like there was one a few years ago where you came on and got, I think, three for one and maybe got a couple in the same over just to knock off their tail. I can't remember. I, I've done that a few times, but I, I mean, I can't really... Nothing really sticks out when it comes to bowling because I don't really see myself as being a great bowler. So it doesn't really... You know, the, the, the pitch does a lot of help, I think, uh, up here. Spoken like a true batsman. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> I feel like you're going to have a few different options for this, given who you have played with over the years. Who's the funniest player that you've lined up alongside? Funniest? Probably Suter at his peak. No, Suter was quite funny. 
it's quite a common choice for that question. You know, when Suter was kind of 18, kind of 19, kind of age, definitely. He was off the scale. I'm just... so, yeah, I'm, I'm deliberately <laughs> wanted to ask a follow-up to that. I think I'm going to err against, to be honest. That's, this could go absolutely anywhere, and I'm not well, sure we're so ready that, for that. that I mean, that's why we had such a good last round, but that kind of made thousands, not just because of him, but, you know, he was one of the characters for sure. And we just had kind of a good laugh. Well, not to sort of blow smoke up your anything, Corey, but you've been the answer to this next one a couple of times. Who's the best player you've played with? Some good players at uni. Um, played a few matches with Stuart Poetzer, who was in the Scotland setup at the time. Um, but probably doesn't count, doesn't really count because I didn't, wasn't really a close teammate. Um, Ellen, probably Johnny Barrett. No, he was a class player. Class guy as well, like really sound guy, um, humble kind of guy, and he could, you know, score runs for fun, pick up wickets, really sharp fielder as well. Um, so definitely him from Allen, I would say. Um, Brock, I guess like I, I played with Ian Watson when he was kind of towards the end of his career, end of his career. But you could see, you know, even in his kind of mid to late fifties, he could, he could still play. Hmm. And uh, you kind of you get told all about him, basically. You never Ian's very kind of coy. He doesn't he doesn't really speak much about himself. But you speak to anyone from that kind of era, they, they all say. I mean, I, I remember speaking to Colin Addison, mm-hmm. and Colin, I think, must have started playing in the kind of early to mid seventies. And Colin described Ian Watson as the player in the grades at that time. So, you know, he must have been. He was a class act. So uh, you got to see him really as well. And Mark Oldham. Mark Oldham was, uh, yeah, when he was on song, he was uh, destructive. Uh, it was like ridiculous. Destructive yeah. was the exact word that came to my mind as well. And that's just from hearing stories about him. Uh, I was actually sent a sent email earlier today. It was like, uh, I was speaking about kind of fielding and stuff. And so it's just, um, the, the, only, the only time I've actually got, got out the way of a ball. <laughs> Was a ball stuck by Mark Oldham when he played for Bottom. I was feeling it short. Uh, was it uh, not short leg? I was feeling it square leg, and he absolutely mullered a, a pull shot, and it was going straight from my head. And I actually, just <laughs> swayed my head out of the way. I was like, I'm not getting, I'm not getting behind that. And it was like, it was the last time I'd kind of done something like that. But it was like, yeah, he was. Hopefully uh, for the best. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He was good when he was on song. Like he was a good player. He, he played himself in. He was kind of. You'd you'd actually do nothing. You'd block the ball for about ten overs, then something just clicked, and you just start hammering the ball. You knew what he was doing. Right, the last one for you, then, Corey. And other than dive out of the way of one of those shots, what's your top tip for anybody starting out in the game? Try and have fun doing it. Don't take it too seriously. Try and find your own way. Don't don't kind of. Of course, you've got to listen to coaches and stuff, but, you know, try and develop your own way of doing things and um, understand the game and have fun doing it. But emphasis on the fun. There's definitely a recurring theme when I ask that question of Fraserburgh players. Fun comes to the fore, as it should be, of course. I'm not saying that as a bad thing whatsoever. And I think it really epitomises what Fraserburgh Cricket Club is all about. Yes, we play matches and we like to win and we like to be successful. But at the end of the day, it is a hobby. It is something that we all do in our spare time for a bit of fun. So I couldn't agree more with what Corey said there. Uh, Just a quick reminder, of course, we talked about... This season, this year, that was all 2021 because all of these interviews were recorded last year. But last weekend, as I alluded to at the very start of this show, Fraserburgh were in a bit of action when it came to cricket. I think I mentioned this uh, on last week's show. We do now have a women's and girls section at the club doing specific training sessions for them, going to some tournaments, and they had their first one last weekend at the Wee Bash. It was the Brock Belters. Uh, We had a squad of six players going through to Aberdeen to take part in that. It was great fun by the looks of it. I haven't seen any sort of negative feedback whatsoever. It looks like it was a great day out and that is just the start for women's and girls cricket 
at Fraser Borough. We, of course, have had players. We've had Rebecca Monroe playing, Leanne Broadley playing, uh, Carly Bowie has played at times over the years as well, Corey and Liam's sister. Um, but this is the first time we've got a dedicated section for it. So it's really exciting and hopefully just a sign of things to come. And you know what? That actually ties me in quite nicely to a little plug for next week's episode because we're going to be talking disability cricket with Richard Packer. Again, you may have heard us in the past talking about Richard's son Alex as one of the youngsters coming through the club at the minute. This is a really enlightening conversation. Uh, I, I must say, I, I shouldn't have favourites when it comes to this podcast, but the chat with Richard is one of my favourites. It is a little bit longer than we sometimes go on the podcast, so if you usually set aside you know 45 minutes to an hour you might want to budget for a little bit more than that and we'll leave you with just a taste of what he had to say in the meantime have a great week everybody uh get in touch with the club if you're interested in coming down to practices i think there's already talk of outdoor practices happening uh you can find fraserburg cricket club on all social medias and when it comes to the podcast as always thank you so much for listening Halfway through the uh, interview, I said, oh, it's nice to bring silverware back to Somerset. Someone's got to. And then, next thing you know, you see this bat fly pass again. I said, oh, that's too for you. <laughs>